Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. As complaints against Dominic Raab grow and the row over Nadim Zahawi's tax affairs deepens, scientists at Oxford University reveal that Rishi Sunak's backbone is now the softest substance known to man. There is outrage in the US over footage of yet another brutal police killing. Tyree Nichols is not seen resisting in the video of five black Memphis police officers beating him to death, as it turns out those bad apples we're always hearing about also come in different colours. Violent rapist and trans woman Isla Bryson is moved out of a woman's prison after the safeguarding procedures and individual risk assessment process that has been in place for more than 10 years functions in exactly the way it was designed to. Bryson didn't spend a single second in contact with any other inmate at Cornton Vale, which, ironically enough, is the same amount of time Scottish Tory leader Douglas Carson has spent in touch with the facts while trying to spread hysteria about the case. And finally, Germany and the US announced new military support for Ukraine in the form of Abrams and Leopard 2 tanks. The Kremlin has called the move a blatant provocation, which is obviously unacceptable when you're just trying to politely finish your genocide. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News, recorded early on Saturday this week because I'm currently away at a family wedding. I can only apologise if you feel we don't devote enough airtime tonight to the fact America has erupted into more violent protests over yet another brutal police killing, or that Israel is once again carrying out military raids throughout the West Bank, or that Britain has just found out that the entire cabinet have offshore holdings that they've all paid tax penalties on. Unfortunately for me and my journalistic credentials, those things just haven't happened yet. Although, having laid out that disclaimer about being unable to predict the future, I am reasonably confident that as you're listening right now, Rishi Sunak still hasn't fired Nadim Zahawi, because our Prime Minister is, as the youth so like to put it, a total pussyhole. Which, funnily enough, is also what Dominic Raab aggressively calls any civil servant who forgets to put the sugar in his morning coffee. We start today with the dodgy tax affairs of the Tory chair, who now finds himself under investigation at the Prime Minister's behest. The same Prime Minister who, just last week, insisted in Parliament that Zahawi had answered all questions about his dispute with HMRC in full. Turns out that wasn't entirely true, as Rishi Sunak clarified this week when he revealed he wasn't made aware at the time he appointed Zahawi that he had paid a penalty to the taxman as part of the settlement. The very same taxman that Zahawi was in charge of at the time as Chancellor. Picking at the infected scab of yet another Conservative financial scandal this week, it's our youth correspondent David Stanier. Giddy up, kids! <laughs> That's horse for hello everyone! It's me, your favourite cheeky little scamp and voice of the youth, David Stanier. 
If you're one of those Simon strain your brains out there and you're struggling to wrap your noggin around a big complicated news story, have no fear. I'm here to help. It's my job to take all that noisy, screaming, complicated and boring news and dial it down to Key Stage 1, where it whispers in a way that's nice and easy for you youngins to understand. And nothing gets more complicated or more boring than tax. Yuck. It's one of those proper adulty words like pension or mortgage or cunnilingus. Ah, what are you on about, lady at the back that keeps touching my leg? I don't know what any of those words mean. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Don't worry, kids. I can tell you're a bit worried that I'm going to bombard you with a load of dull adult nonsense. And I get why. I might look like a grown-up, but I have what lots of doctors have called serious psychological trauma. That's because my good old dad was an anarchist and a domestic terrorist who violently brainwashed me and several other orphans over the course of several years, leaving me in... Oh, what was it that boring doctor called it? Oh yes, a regressive mental state. Which basically means I'm a big fun kid, just like all of you. A big fun kid forever, like Peter Pan or Paul Breach. I just happen to be a big fun kid who lives in an adult man's body. Like the old lady who lived in a shoe. Except the old lady is a young boy, and the shoe is a weird sack of skin and blood. I do some grown-up stuff, like riding the bus by myself, or relentlessly pursuing my dead father's vision of an anarchist utopia through acts of violent retribution against the ruling classes. But really, I'm just like all of you. I don't want to worry about capital gains, or dividends, or insurance. I just want to slam my pogs, catch my Pokemon, and dairy lee my dunkers. But here's the thing, fellow kids. Lots of grown-ups don't want to worry about tax either, which is why most of them never get to faff about hiding it offshore or converting it into shares, whatever that means. For most adults, the tax they pay just comes straight out of their pay every month. The person who decides how much comes out of your mum's and dad's wages is called the Chancellor. That person usually gets the special title of most hated knobhead in the country and they get a little red briefcase that they have to hold up to the cameras every time they leave the house. If they don't, it'll explode in their face, I assume. I don't know. I haven't really researched it. Now that little red suitcase is very important, because inside it there should be a teeny tiny little thing called a sense of moral responsibility. If there's one person at the top of the tax system who's basically in charge of how much money gets taken off everyone in the country and how it gets spent... That's a big job. You and naive little me might assume that that person would follow both the letter and the spirit of the tax laws they oversee. The ones that bind everyone else in this country. Sadly, to assume makes an ass out of you and me, which means we're now stitched together like a right pair of silly buttocks. Right in the middle of this particular ass, where everyone needs to look right now, is the massive arsehole. And the massive arsehole in this story is Nadim Zahawi. Now, my mission in life is to make the news nice and simple, so let's just do that. We don't need to worry about the ins and outs of who directly benefited from Balshaw Investments, or how exactly the deems of how his tax affairs were arranged. Bubble, 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 and a little bit of steam. Let's just boil it down to the basics, shall we? Basic number one is that you do not set up an offshore company if you are not doing something to avoid paying taxes here in the UK. Basic number two you do not get fined a 30% penalty by HMRC 
if you haven't done something that you deserve to be fined for. Both of those things happened in Nadim Zahawi's case, and he was settling the issue with HMRC at the time that he was in charge of our tax laws, during his brief stint as Chancellor. Now, our Prime Minister knows this whole story stinks. Pooey! Which is why he's tried to kick the can down the road in the face of all the public outrage by ordering an investigation. But it really is very simple. Rishi Sunak says he didn't know Nadim Zahawi had paid a penalty to HMRC when he appointed him as Tory chair. So now, Sunak has two questions to answer. One, is paying a penalty to HMRC for avoiding taxes? And two, is not disclosing that you've paid a penalty to HMRC for avoiding taxes a sackable offence? And in both cases, if not, why not? And if they're not, who else in government has got away with it? Oh, hang on, that's four questions. Well, I don't need to be good at maths, because I'm not trying to defraud anyone. Whatever happens next, it's clear that Zahawi hasn't been honest throughout this process. If Sunak really wants to pretend that he's running a government with any integrity, Zahawi needs to be sacked immediately. Anything else is just a load of old fetlocks. Which brings me back to these lovely warm stables. It belongs to Nadim Zahawi. And if you remember the expenses scandal, you'll recall that at one point, you, the British taxpayer, were paying to keep them warm. Just another example of Zahawi making a careless and accidental mistake, in which he completely, not on purpose, filled out a whole bunch of forms that blatantly defrauded the British taxpayer. Oops, butterfingers. Clearly Rishi Sunak isn't going to do much to teach Zahawi a lesson, so it falls to me instead. Even if Sunak does fire him at the end of all this, it'll be closed at the stable door after the horse has bolted. Which reminds me... <clears throat> Everyone, if we can have your attention, giddy up, and out you go. That's it, come on, everyone out. You guys aren't going to want to be in here when I'm finished. Now let's sing our goodbye song, kids. Feedbacks, haystacks, saddles, horse tack, gasoline, in between. Careless accidental, in my defence I'm mental. Kill the rich, kill the rich. There we go, kids, that ought to do it. Now let's shine a light on some of those dodgy tax arrangements. <laughs> That's better. I'm David Stanier, and I probably should have held on to a getaway horse. Reporting for IC News. Now, there was at least one sitting Conservative MP who was undoubtedly relieved to see Nadim Zahawi dominating most of the headlines this week. Boris Johnson, the former Prime Minister and perpetually horny toddler that looks like he's just lost a fight with a balloon, has been embroiled in yet another scandal of his own making. That came as it was revealed that the man he appointed to the chair of the BBC, Richard Sharp, introduced him to a friend at Johnson's request, who would then later offer to act as a guarantor for Johnson on a sizeable loan. Johnson has denied all wrongdoing, which at this point is just something he does if you press the button in the palm of his hand. And Richard Sharp insists he will be staying on as chair of the BBC, and that his close relationship with the political party who are constantly looking to destroy the funding model of the organisation he oversees has no bearing on his ability to ensure it acts impartially. Sure, Richard. Sure. 
It's all a bit shady, and it falls to us at IC News to cast some light into this story's filthy little crevices, which is why this week we bring you yet more exclusive audio from our undercover source at number 10. What you're about to hear is a secret recording of the very dinner encounter between Richard Sharp and then-Prime Minister Boris Johnson that's been all over the news this week. And here is your table, gentlemen. Spiffing. Thanks very much. Be a good lad, will you? Bring us over a couple of bottles of champers and some caviar to start. Don't worry about the others. They'll join us soon enough. Very good, sir. That's a little extravagant for the expense accounts, don't you think, Prime Minister? (laughs) Oh, don't you worry about that, my boy. Old Sharpers is bloody minted, and I'm an old hand at ducking a dinner bill. I can promise you, it'll all be on him. Treat yourself. Huh, it does all look rather enticing, I I have to admit. And if you're sure, it won't be at the taxpayer's expense. You know me, old Bean. I'm always thinking about the public purse. Speaking of which, I'd like to make a deposit in that waitress. Quite, sir. Um, Oh, before your friend arrives, though, you still haven't explained to me the reason for this meeting. Uh, As your aide, I really need to put something in the public record. Oh, good Lord, you're a tedious little pencil pusher. This is a private personal matter. There's no need for any of it to go on record. I'm not sure I agree, sir. You're the Prime Minister, and Mr Sharp has applied to become the chairman of the BBC. We really do need to avoid any suggestion of political bias in that appointment. <laughs> it's a bit late for that, don't you think? It's my call who gets appointed to that job, and Dickie's already given half a million quid to the Conservative Party. Look... It's all very dull, normal, completely above-board stuff. And this is purely a social occasion. There's absolutely nothing going on here that will later come back to bite me in the arse. If you say so. Your champagne and caviar, sirs. Marvellous! That's more like it. Let's not fuck about waiting for the others. I'm hungry now. Isn't that a little rude, sir? Hardly. If we could eat it all before they even get here, Dick won't even know it's on the bill. Gosh, have I taught you nothing? I did sign up for this job to get some political experience, yes. I I didn't think grifting a free lunch would be part of it, though. (laughs) That's what 90% of politics is, you silly fucker. You, don't piss off yet, you numpty. Take our order. Very good, sir. What can I get you? I'll have the comfy lobster and Wago fillet steak with the bone marrow bonbons and a side of truffled fondant potatoes. Mmm. Get me a boat of that whiskey cream sauce you do as well, will you? I'm a mucky little dunker. Oh, and four more bottles of bolly, too. And some more caviar. And you, sir? I'll just take the soup du jour, the vegetarian option, please. Nonsense. He'll have the oysters to start, then the veal roulade with seasonal greens and four more bottles of bolly. Bring it all together, though, will you? As quick as you can. I don't eat meat, sir. Jesus Christ. Is everyone in the civil service a tank-top bum boy? Prime Minister, we have talked about your use of discriminatory language. (laughs) I think you'll find you've talked. Whether or not I've listened, I'm afraid, is another matter entirely. Your food will be with you shortly, gentlemen. Yes, yes, fuck off. 
There he is, Dick, old boy. My good friend, my chum, my entirely impartial appointment. Hello, Boris, and hello to you, Mr... It's Cyril, Mr. Sharp, Cyril's servant. Are you fucking kidding me? Your name is Cyril's servant? <laughs> Are you telling me we've worked together for over a year and you don't even know my name? <laughs> I never learn names, dear boy. Most of the time I just finish, fart and roll over. Your meal, gentlemen. I see you've not changed, Boris, starting without me. Oh, you know me, Dickie. I'm always out to get head. And a head. <laughs> Which is why I've asked you here, actually. I'm in a bit of a financial pickle. What with the child support payments and all the rest of it. On the... I was hoping you could help me out. Well, you know me, Boris. I'm always completely impartially introducing people. How much is it this time? About 800 grand should do it. Jesus Christ, how many children have you got? I'm sure I can find a chap willing to help you out. Don't you worry about that. Particularly if it gets a few wheels moving on this... Uh... Don't say a word, old friend. I hear you, and it's all in hand. Fuck, this lobster's delicious. Very good. Well, I'm afraid I can't actually stay today, so I'll have to bid you both goodbye. As always, Boris, it's been mutually beneficial and all above board. <laughs> Hasn't it just? Goodbye, both of you. Yum. Well, I think that went rather well, don't you? I do like Richard. Did you notice how lovely and generic his voice was? Almost like he just assumes that nobody listening will Google what he actually sounds like. A private matter, you said. All above board and nothing to worry about. Oh, come now, Cedric. You worry too much. Back in a minute. All right. Old Alex has got to take to piffle with his Johnson. <laughs> it's Cyril, sir, and I really wish you wouldn't make that joke every time you go to the bathroom. Oh, whatever, you nerd. Uh, hang on. Did he just... Ahem. Your bill, sir. Oh, that fucker. While the septic tank of domestic politics continues to swell with the foul gases of blatant corruption... The big international story this week was undoubtedly the joint decision from Germany and the US to ramp up their military support for Ukraine. Following on from the announcement that Britain would supply Challenger tanks to the Ukrainians, pressure has been mounting on other Western allies to make similar commitments. Until now, the Germans have been holding out on approving shipments of their Leopard 2 tanks unless America made a similar commitment with its own hardware. That commitment came this week, as Biden's administration promised Ukraine a whole battalion of Abrams tanks, unlocking the floodgates for several other European allies to now pledge their own German-made Leopard 2s to the Ukrainians with Berlin's approval. The response from Moscow was a predictably furious one, as the Kremlin accused the West of deliberately escalating a conflict that Russia were rather hoping would turn into a much more peaceful one-sided massacre. But is the supply of Western tanks to Ukraine really a game-changer for this war? as some commentators have suggested. Our Russian correspondent isn't so convinced. 
Hello, Western friends. Long time no speak. It is I, Alexander Notobot, proud and impartial journalist working on behalf of universal truth and definitely not COVID agent of Russian security services. Once again, I see your biased media has fallen foul of Western propaganda machine. It falls to me to peel scales from your eyes and lift you out of fog of war so that you may see Russian reality with your own peepers. He's like famous movie, they live with rowdiest American Roddy Piper. Only difference is, when you put on Russian glasses, Ukrainian mother of three becomes Nazi war criminal, and humanitarian aid worker becomes NATO saboteur. Truth will set you free, friends. Listen to my voice today. You hear? Not a wobble. Not the tiniest sign of fear or concern over news that allies of puppet Nazi regime in terrorist state of Ukraine are to supply them with new tanks. Oh, look at me! I'm Ukraine! I get whole battalion of best tanks in American arsenal! Pah! Who needs them when you can get finest exploding hang gliders in all of Iran? I tell you, Western friends, this tank story is not grand case of celebration you think it is nor is it sign of imminent Ukrainian victory. Like your crazy press are claiming, Russia has nothing to fear from Leopards and Abrams. We have finest armored vehicles in all of world, provided world is in 1972, and our victory is assured. This is nothing more than flimsy Western posturing designed to intimidate great Russian bear on world stage. Such rattling of sabers will not work, and today, I bring you sneak peek behind Iron Curtain to explain why. Here in Russia, we are not big soft dafties. We understand special military operation of information and public relations is just as important as special military operation on the ground. These American tanks are token gestures with complicated funding situation, which means they will take many months to arrive in Ukraine. And by then, American Republicans will be in proper control of Congress and American war budget. Let's see how much money gets put aside for Ukraine war effort once we send them all their pee-pee and poo-poo tapes. For a bunch of pro-life crazy peoples, it's remarkably easy to convince American conservatives to let Russia kill whole bunch of Ukrainian babies. No, American tanks are no immediate threat to us. German tanks, however, bigger problem. Leopards are easy to maintain, easier to supply and use, and easier to crew with existing experience of Ukraine military. But is Russia worried about this? Yet, In fact, Germany supplying Ukraine war effort is only fair. After all, <laughs> they bought enough gas to supply most of Russia one. It is, how you say, even Stevens. I can assure you though, Western friends, Russia does not take this latest provocation lying down. Supply of tanks is clear escalation of conflict, no matter what American President Biden says. He claims they will be used only to defend Ukrainian territory, as if half of Ukraine is not Russia already. When will you people get that we have bagsies? It's very frustrating. What you in the West always underestimate is Russia's ability to adapt. We have very adaptable military. In fact, if command structure is not working, we adapt every other week, with failed Russian generals adapting to falling out of windows and not breathing anymore. And when faced with new threat of leopard tanks on battlefront, we will adapt again. In fact, finest Russian military strategists are already working on solution. Behold, here in this top secret training facility, 
the great work of Operation Meat Grinder. Hear that, Western friends? That is rumble of supposedly mighty leopard tank roaring to defense of Ukrainian peoples. Oh, I'm so intimidated. Ta! There is always Russian solution, and Russian solution is always the same. All our great military minds have to work out is exactly the number of terrified conscripts it takes to jam up tracks of enemy vehicle. So go ahead, boys. Russia appreciates your noble sacrifice. Uh, it turns out it takes quite a lot to jam up tracks of Leopard 2. <laughs> Who knew? I'm Alexander Notobot, and I think it might be time for another mobilization. Reporting for IC News. Alexander Notterbot there, showing about as much impartiality as Richard Sharp. His report brings us to the end of our broadcast. We'll be back with the final episode of Season 9 at the same time next weekend, but until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. The Chancellor Jeremy Hunt unveils his vision for economic growth, with a bold plan to get elderly and exhausted Brexit-supporting retirees to return to work, mainly by sending them all to the House of Lords. Rick Astley is to sue a rapper over claims their latest track uses an imitation of his voice. In response, Young Gravy says the whole incident is a misunderstanding over their original agreement, and it was never his intention to let Astley down and then turn around and hurt him. Carol Vorderman calls out the Prime Minister's own financial arrangements and lays into him on breakfast television. The former Countdown host suggested Rishi Sunak may be guilty of insider trading and stopped just short of calling him a greasy little consonant-vowel-consonant-consonant. And finally, levelling up Secretary Michael Gove promises to bring the spirit of Thatcherism to the north of England, provided the coal mine he's just approved can dig deep enough to drag her out of hell first. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with the right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.